Amen. If you have your Bible, open with me to the book of James chapter 1. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Amen. Yeah, make no doubt about it. We could be checking out of here at the shout today. Amen. Praise the Lord. James chapter 1. We started last Sunday going through the book of James on Sundays. And, um, and we, we, were, we just were in verse 1 all last week. And we're going to continue today in verse number 1 by the help and grace of God. And so let's have prayer and then we'll get into the message. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of being in the house of the Lord today. I pray, Lord, that you will work in our hearts. Undoubtedly, people have worked hard this week. Others are sick. Some are weary. People are struggling, dealing with issues. Lord, I pray that all of that would pass from our minds in this hour. And I pray that you would just bring us in together in the unity of the Holy Ghost, that you would work in our lives, that you receive all the glory. Meet every need of every person. Those that are lost, save them today. Those that are backslid, may they get right today. Those that are struggling, may they get help today. Most of all, may you be glorified. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. James chapter number one, verse number one. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. I'd like to look more today at this, at this phrase, a servant of God. I, I, I like how, how it doesn't say James, the servant of God. Because there's not only one servant of God, but God has many servants. So James humbled himself and identified as one of those who do serve the Lord. James, a servant of God. So I wonder, my friend, could it be said of me today, Josh McBriar, a servant of God. I wonder if it could be said of you today, put your name there, a servant of God. As you look up this word servant, it means one who executes the commands of another. A servant, a minister, an attendant, a waiter, the servant of a king. And so if you'll look with me in the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 22, as I was praying and preparing this week, and I read these words and, and meditated on these words, James, a servant of God. The Lord began to bring to my heart this thought about God's search for a servant. We, we've heard it said for years uh, through different authors that it has yet to be seen what could be done with one person who will just yield everything to the Lord. So in Ezekiel chapter 22, verse number 30, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. I love how the Lord leads things through the Holy Spirit. All week, my mind has been just thinking about the fact that today could be the day that Jesus comes again. All that's going on around the world, America, which has been known historically as a Christian nation, is more and more heathen by the day. 
Jesus is coming again. And I'll just insert right there. Bible prophecy does not revolve around America. Amen. 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 But James, a servant of God. In these wicked times, in these dark times, in these evil times, God, God desires a servant. Somebody who's going to live for him. Somebody who's going to execute his will. Somebody who's going to fulfill his word. Somebody who's going to obey him and not fight him and not resist him, but follow him and serve him. I think of the words in the book of Luke, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not those things which I say? A person who says that Jesus is their Lord and they're a servant will be obedient to the word of the Lord. There'll be a person who follows the word of the Lord, not a person who fights it, not a person who resists it, not a person who refutes it, not a person who rebels against it, but a person who submits to it, a person who becomes subservient to the words of what God said. James, a servant of God. So he was identifying that he was this way. And so in the book of Ezekiel, it said that they sought for a man that should stand in the gap and make up the hedge, but there was none found. And it brought this, this burden on my heart to preach today from James chapter 1 on God's search for a servant. So I've been praying this week that in this message, God would search my heart and search your heart to see are we servants as we ought to be. As you dig into the meaning and the root of the word servant, a servant is one who gives himself up to the will of another. Yep. The Bible said in Philippians chapter 2 about the Son of God, that he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Yep. There in the garden of Gethsemane, the Son of God, the King of the glory world, prayed, Father, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen. He was a servant. To the will of his father. God would have me to be that way. God would have you to be that way. God would have all of us. God would have tabernacle to be that way. I, 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 I desire so strongly that it could be said of Tabernacle Baptist Church, a church full of servants of God. And so as I prayed and studied and dug into this thought, God's search for a servant of God. The first thing that comes ever so clear is to be a servant, it's your choice. Our Lord Jesus Christ is a perfect gentleman. He, he will move on your heart. He will invite, he will woo, he will knock, he will plead but he will not force himself upon you or me. Oh, he is Lord. And no matter what you or I say, it will not change the fact that he is Lord. But you and I have a personal choice. Will we be his servant? I want to ask you, have you made that personal choice? Have you surrendered your will to the will of another, the king of heaven? 
Are we servants of the Lord? But not only is, is, this, is this servant someone who made a personal choice, but a servant of the Lord is, is going to be someone who is passionate. Serving the Lord is out of love. Serving the Lord is not out of duty. Look with me in the book of Ephesians chapter number one, uh, chapter number four. As I mentioned last Sunday morning, there's only seven times in the Bible somebody is called a servant of God. And it only refers to three people. Five times Moses was called a servant of God. One time the apostle Paul is called a servant of God. And one time James is called a servant of God. In Ephesians chapter number four, Verse number one, we see the passion of the Apostle Paul, one of the servants of God. He says, therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. But did you notice with me how Paul spoke of himself? I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. The apostle Paul, so in love with the son of God, so surrendered in his spirit to the will of another, has identified himself as a prisoner to the Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. Amen. To voluntarily place himself there. Yep. You go back and read the scriptures. God never forced him there. But this great love in Paul's heart for his Lord brought him there. So we see if one is going to be a servant of God, it's personal. You can't decide for your wife. You can't decide for your husband. You can't decide for your kids, but you can decide for you. Amen. It's personal. It's a personal responsibility. It's a personal choice. There'll be personal consequences. The person who obeys will reap the blessings. The person who disobeys will reap the regrets. Then we see the passion, the prisoner of the Lord. When we think of a prisoner, do we not think of how horrible that life would be? I mean, which raise your hand today if you just want to go to prison. Brother Will wants to go to prison to preach the gospel. Amen. <laughs> but he wants to come out after he preaches. <laughs> Amen. Prison's a horrible place. But Paul, so in love with the Lord, he found being with the Lord's not a horrible place. Amen. And he identified himself as a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. But then I think about this, the plainness 
of a servant. How plain they are. It's just a simple truth. We are either a servant or we are not. There's no fancy way of describing, well, maybe, no. I'm either a servant of God or I'm not. And you are either a servant of God or you are not. You can't halfway be a servant. It's a yes or a no. Amen. A servant is one given to the will of another. But then I noticed not only that, but, but the peace of a servant of God. They're at peace with what they are. The Apostle Paul identified himself, Paul, a servant of God. He wasn't complaining. He was happy about it. James, a servant of God, he wasn't complaining. He loved where he was. He was content. The peace of a servant of God. Notice with me in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter number 7. Verse number 20. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Art thou called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise also he that is called being free is Christ's servant. Ye are bought with a price, be ye not the servants of men. Brethren, let every man wherein he is called therein abide with God. Everybody's going to serve something. We're either going to serve God or we're going to serve our own desires, our own goals, ambitions. Everybody serves something. You might not serve the Lord. You might serve somebody else. The peace of a servant. Do you have peace being a servant of God today? If you're not a servant of God, I bet you don't have peace much today. This world and its dreams and its ambitions, they'll rob you. Yes, the billboards and the commercials and the advertisements paint it with glamour. But the end is rottenness and bitterness. And it's empty. Then I think about the path of a servant. The path of a servant is the will of his master. And the word of God tells us the will of the Lord. How we're to live. How we are to serve him. How we're to follow. Do we live that way? Are we a servant according to his word? Sadly, many churches in this day and hour, they don't believe what the Bible says. They disregard what the Bible says. I've heard this very week of a preacher who counseled people directly against what Jesus said. 
in an independent Baptist church. The path of a servant is in accordance to the word of God. As I search out these things, it makes me ponder, am I truly a servant? I would hope it'd make you wonder, are you truly a servant? Then I thought about the purpose of a servant. God has a purpose for how he wants you to serve him. God has a purpose for how he wants me to serve him. As I look around the room today, I see Brother Will. He's God's servant going to the prisons. Brother Robbie, God's servant working with China. I see Brother Pope. He's all over the place, God's servant, helping people that you and I will never see. God has a purpose. There's somebody that only you can reach. There's something that only you can do. There's a spot, a position, a place that is empty if you are not filling it. God has a purpose for you and for me as his servant. But as I think about that word purpose, I also think of the book of Daniel where Daniel purposed in his heart. Not only does God have a purpose, but, but all the servants of God are servants of God on purpose. It's not by accident. It's not forced upon them. It's a choice. They surrendered. They yielded. They chose that life. I think of the pure intentions of a servant. A servant of God has no other intention but to serve God. There's, there's not much earthly benefit to it, although there are blessings. Serving God doesn't always bring with you the package deal of the, uh, that the world might offer. But as Dr. Charles Garrett would say, his retirement was out of this world. Amen? The pure intentions of a servant. If somebody's a servant of God, their heart's motive is purely to serve God. But then I think about the pain of a servant. I mean, as you think of a slave, certainly it's not an easy life. God never promised following him would be easy. Neither did he promise it'd always be pleasant. He didn't promise everybody would always like you. You wait till the day you have to stand for what God says, and a lot of people don't agree with what God said. It's a highly unpleasant situation to be in. But it's still right. I think of the pain of a servant. The suffering, the hard work, and the agony. You see, these were all willfully taken because they're so in love with their master, they would follow him for anything. Willfully. I think of the patience of a servant. As they go through these trials, 
No doubt their faith is tested. No doubt the devil comes and says, well, you can have it much easier in this other walk of life. But it wouldn't bring glory to God. It wouldn't be an obedience to the word of God. I think about the persecutions of a servant. A servant who's persecuted doesn't play the victim. They're just a true servant. They willfully suffer for the glory of God. Oh, is there not so many victims in this day and hour? You preach something, they get under conviction, and they're the victim. You stand for something right, and they don't like it, and they're the victim. My friend, we don't have time for that. We're here to serve God. If that's your heart, I would urge you and plead with you today, please get right with Jesus. But then I think of the prayer life of a servant. I would say the best example of this was our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, not my will, but thy will be done. The prayer life of a servant is what does the, the word of God say? Not what does my friend say? Not what does my family say? Not what does those other people say? What does God say? Bible said, if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. That means if we ask anything according to what the word of God says. Amen? Amen. I think about the possibilities of a servant. Oh, Dr. Harold Seitler, Dr. Melvin Aiken, Brother Rudy Smith preached wonderful message Friday night here at Sherathon. Percy Ray, J. Harold Smith, the Apostle Paul. Where did people like this come from? They were just like you and me. And they got saved and heard the word of God preached and they made a choice. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to stand with God. I'm going to yield to God. And God did mighty things through their lives. God can do the same with you. The possibilities if a servant would yield themselves fully to God. It's possible for Tabernacle to have 1,600 in Sunday school again. We don't have to live off of what happened 70 years ago, my friend. The same God is in heaven. He's not grown old and sitting in a rocking chair and walking around with a walking stick. He's still the God of heaven. The Holy Spirit is still able to do what he's always been able to do. You know what the problem is? People's hearts. They're getting cold. The Bible tells us very clearly in the book of Matthew 24, and because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. What does that mean? Because sin is becoming prevalent. People are falling out of love with Jesus. We hear about revival. Revival is not for lost people to get saved, my friend. Revival is for the people of God to get right with Jesus. You want to know when lost people are going to walk the aisles again in churches? When church folk get right. I think about the perfecting of a servant. 
The Bible talks about perfect that which lacketh concerning my faith. A servant, when they hear the truth, they'll receive the correction from God. Because their heart is solely and singly set on the will of their master. All of us need God to perfect, to perfect something in us. But can we say that all of us receive it, obey it, follow it? There was a time when James was not a servant of God. But he became a servant of God. Maybe there's a time you haven't been a servant of God. But you can be. I think about the problems in the life of a servant. Sometimes the less than desirable conditions. Oh, I, I think about the missionary John Patton. He stood up in a Presbyterian church in Scotland a couple hundred years ago and he, and he told the church, God has called me to the headhunters in the New Hebrides Islands. A gentleman stood up in the church and said, son, you don't know what you're talking about. Sit down. If you go there, they'll eat you. And John Patton stood back up and said, and sir, when you die, the worms will eat you. He said, I'm going. And John and his wife and their little baby got in a boat and set sail for the New Hebrides Islands. And as they sailed near the lagoons and the boat couldn't go into the shallow water, the captain came and said, Sir, I implore you, don't go, you'll die. John Patton said, Sir, I died when I left Scotland. And him and his wife and baby got into a canoe and they sailed into the lagoons of that island. And they were there only a couple weeks and his wife and baby died. Most mission boards would have forced them to come off of the field. Let's think on that for a minute. And John Patton stayed for 14 years. He said at night, as he would go to sleep, he could hear the headhunters surrounding where he was sleeping. And many times he thought he would die. After 14 years, he shared the gospel with a headhunter who got saved. And shortly thereafter, thousands began to get saved. The power of God moved in such a mighty way that headhunters on the neighboring islands began to get saved. And today, Vanuatu, which was then the New Hebrides Islands, identifies as a Christian nation because a servant with less than desirable conditions yielded himself to the will of God. But then I think about the protection of a servant. John Patton, he went to the chief of that tribe and he said, I don't know why you never killed me. You killed other missionaries who came here. And the chief told him, and you can look this up, that they tried to kill him, but he had all these shining men standing around him. And they couldn't get to him. You know what Psalm 34, 7 said? 
the angel of the Lord encampeth around about them that fear him and delivereth them. You say, I don't believe that. Stenet Blue would say, that's why you, you don't get blessed. You don't believe nothing. Amen. It's in the Bible, my friend. When I think about the process of a servant. Maybe you're out there and you're, you're trying to serve God and, oh, it's hard. The devil's after you. It seems every time you stand up, you fall down. It seems people are turning their back on you because you're just reading what God said and trying to do it and other people just walking away from you. My friend, may I tell you that God has a process in building a servant. They say about Marines, I know some of the men who stood up in here were Marines. They say the process of building a Marine is that they tear them or they break them down to build them up. God's going to put you and I through a sifting process if we're going to be his servant. He's going to prove us. He's going to test us. Why? Because it'll bring forth more fruit in our life. And it'll bring forth more glory unto God. My friend, don't be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The apostle Peter told us, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trial that is to try you. If the devil's after you, that's a sign you're going the right direction. Yep. I'm more concerned with the folks that's been in church for 40 years, and when you talk about the devil fighting, they look at you like, what are you talking about? They're here. May I say this? The perspective of a servant, not my will, but thy will be done. I think about the pleasant spirit of a servant. Isn't it so refreshing to just see somebody who says, Hear my Lord, send me. I'll go. I'll do it. It's almost strange. There's no, no fight, no resistance. No, no well, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, serve all these other goals. Their goal is to serve Jesus. Yes. Yep. I think about... If you'll look with me in the book of Titus, chapter number 2. I'm almost finished. Titus, chapter number 2. The Apostle Paul has a message for servants here, starting in verse number 9. Exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, notice this word, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. A servant of God will not be purloining. That, that means they're not going to be stealing time and stealing from their master. They're going to be serving honorably. They're going to be serving according to the word of their master. Amen. But then not only did I notice this about not purloining, but, but, but the Bible goes on in these verses to tell us the, the proper lifestyle of a servant. Let's read these verses. We'll read all the way to verse 14. Exhort servants to be obedient to their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering again, not purloining, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us. So you know the grace of God will teach us something. Teaching us that denying ungodliness. So a servant of God, they're going to have to deny ungodliness. And worldly lusts. 
What are that? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Oh, there's people who, who their main priority is money. No, we all need money to live, but, but there's people who they, they live, their goal, what they think about all day, every day is, is money, not God. Yep. That's not right. right. You know what the Bible said in the book of Psalms? God is not in all his thoughts. You know who that was talking about? The wicked. Whether they're thinking about money, whether they're thinking about pleasures, whether they're thinking about wickedness or, or worldliness or something else, it doesn't matter. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts. It ain't wrong to have money, but it's wrong for it to be your God. Amen? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, keeps coming up about the rapture. My friend, I want to tell you, if you're not saved, you better get ready because we're checking out of here soon. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people. A servant should be pure. Should have a pure lifestyle. Should have a pure heart should have pure intentions. When they speak, whatever they say, it should just be pure. No guile, no lie, no deceit, no bitterness. It should just be just clear. These things speak and exhort and rebuke. Notice these words, with all authority. This isn't the will of Joshua McBriar, my friend. This is the will of God. If you're going to be a servant, if I'm going to be a servant, right here in the book let no man despise thee a lot of people hate it when you preach what Jesus said and in closing I want to think about the permanency of a servant if you look with me in the book of Exodus chapter 21 Exodus chapter number 21 Verse number five, and well, I'll read from verse number one through verse number six. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them if thou buy an Hebrew servant six years, he shall serve, and in the seventh, that's the year of Jubilee, he shall go out free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons or daughters, And the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, servants, they should be plain. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or under the door post, and the master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. This servant, he served, but he loved his master so that he wanted to serve forever. My friend, the permanency of a servant. Are you and I a permanent servant of God? 
Do you bear his mark in your soul? Do you bear his mark in your life? Are we, are we obedient unto him, to his will? I wanted so badly to move into verse number two today. But as I read these words, James, a servant of God, how our heart should long to be such. Let's stand. If the Lord has spoken to you, the altar's open. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would search our hearts today. Help us to bring you glory and honor and praise. I pray that you would make us to be servants of God. Help me, Lord. Help all of us. Lord Jesus, may your will be done. In your holy name I pray. Amen. I cross and follow me. I heard my master say, I gave my life to ransom thee. Surrender your all today. Wherever he leads, I'll go. work in our lives and fulfill your goodwill. And may we glorify you in all things. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.